Welcome to Cuz We're Nerds, the podcast that covers trends and new releases in comics, movies, video games, board games, and much more. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm joined by the rest of my fire team, Lou and Chris. Caleb is on assignment in Rio and has asked us to cover something near and dear to our hearts. Today, we're looking at the evolution of video games over the last decade. What trends did we see take over mainstream games? What inspiration are they taking from the indie scene? How entertaining is entertainment about video games, really? And how are we going to cover all of this in about an hour? Find out on this week's episode of Cuz We're Nerds. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Cuz We're Nerds. We are back. I've, it's me, Andy. We've got Chris over here and Lou over here. Like I said, my fire team. Uh, we are excited. We're going to talk about some things that we have been playing over the last uh, 10 years. Yeah, a lot um, to cover. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. So, it's a big list. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of review the past decade to look at um, some games that we've played, some that we haven't played, some that each of us individually have played, and some we've played together. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there, there's a lot that came out in the past 10 years, and it <laughs> seems like more and more stuff does come out, and that's one of the things that we're going we're gonna to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, so, what better place to start than the beginning? I yeah. Guess? yeah. Beginning uh, of time. The, the beginning <laughs> of the 2010s. Yeah, the 2010s. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're gonna, we're, so, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about just like a couple of, uh, uh, we're really going to be talking about like, a, a bunch of games that came out that year that we played or that uh, we know about or had kind of had a big influence. We're also going to talk about some newsworthy stuff that happened in those years. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how we're going to like sort of track those trends and stuff that, that we talked about at the top of the show. So in uh, 2010, uh, Mass Effect 2 uh, came out. Uh, hey, let's, let's start with a baseline. Where were you in 2010? Where was <laughs> yeah, I in 2010? <laughs> Uh, I had just graduated from college. I was. I had, Call me a boomer. Get it over now. Chris. I was just graduating from high school. <laughs> oh gosh. I was still in the middle of college. So <laughs> okay. Um, graduating soon, but yeah. yeah. So I graduated in two thousand nine, December two thousand nine. So like yeah. twenty ten, mm -hmm. my life literally started at the beginning of the decade. Right. Which is like my adult life. Adult. <laughs> yeah. As uh, as adult as you are. Kind yeah. Of straight as out adult, of college. Yeah. So like I remember getting out of college and. I didn't have a job at the time because 2009 was notoriously bad for like mm -hmm. a time to graduate. Yep. Um, and so like I would do a weekly, I had like a weekly gig that would pay for basically me gaming <laughs> the rest of the week. <laughs> so okay. there was a lot of stuff that came out that year, a lot of like things going on. And uh, yeah, so like you started with Mass Effect 2. Yeah, I did. Um... I guess real quick we'll go we'll go around a little bit because like that year I was graduating graduating high school and sure. um, it was uh yeah it was, yeah because I was graduating in May of twenty ten mm -hmm. uh, and so that was that was a really really interesting time because suddenly my budget and availability for for playing games had gone down a lot oh yeah yeah uh, but uh, yeah there there were a lot of things to come out you said you were in the middle of college I was in the middle of college so this would have been junior no not so I, I 20, 2000, and 2009 was freshman year, so 2009, 2010 would have been sophomore, and sophomore a little bit of junior. So at that time, yeah, a lot of it was League of Legends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, League of Legends just came out earlier, so playing a ton of that. Uh, I am definitely one of the old school League players. I have a lot of stories to tell from the early days. Um, also, just because we were just a bunch of guys in college, we played a lot of Smash Brothers Brawl. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. And then uh, one of the friends, Matt, one of our friends at college, he also was a big like Sega and Dreamcast fan. So he had a lot of old classic Sega games that we used to play. He's a big Sonic dude. So a good mix of like retro and whatever was popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Crazy Taxi. <laughs> that was earlier on. That no, was like five uh, years before. Power that. Stone yeah. is the big one. Ooh, okay. Yeah, if you guys know about that one, that's yeah. an old school fighter. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. So that's kind of uh, an established uh, established baseline of like where were they? Yeah. <laughs> now where are they? No. That doesn't necessarily influence the type the type of games we were playing because like I don't know games are for a lot of ages. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that we'll talk about over the course of this is that. At this point, there's games for everybody. Yep. Right. And and that kind of kept happening more and more and more through the 2010s. But yeah, so just just like going through a list here. Uh, so Mass Effect 2, Red Dead Redemption, StarCraft 2. Yep. I was playing a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of that. A lot of World of Warcraft. A lot of I think Battlefield. Was Cataclysm was 2009. Uh, no, it's 2010. It was like the that that that, that start October. Or, yeah, October. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which. Kind of revolutionized the game more or less because you had almost a start over of the world mm-hmm. as the, we knew it. Yeah, um, a lot of updates that came to it. Um, yeah. So I was playing World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Battlefield, whatever version was out at that point. Yep. Um, Battlefield Bad Company Two is the only one I have any extended experience with. Yeah. Because I had a, a friend of mine, he had it on his computer, and he's like, I don't really play it, so occasionally I would just hop on and mess yeah. around a little bit. <laughs> I loved the medic. It's like everything I wanted. The medic was, it's like the only one that I know of Battlefield where the medic was also the heavy machine gunner. Yeah. So, yeah, it always had like the MG42 or whatever yeah. it was. So my fun thing Something was that I always was the, the crazy guy who ran in the middle of the battlefield defibrillating <laughs> uh, my friends. So like my fire team, but the rest of my squad would be entirely dead. And I'm yeah. like, ah, are you? Yeah. Doo, doo, doo. And all of a sudden they just get back up again. And my team just never died. Yeah. I marked everything. And it's like, so I kept on getting bonus points from that. Right. Which was, Clear, Assist and then they and die like they die like a few seconds later because they're still in the middle of the fi- in the middle of a crossfire, yeah. and I just come back and revive them again. Yeah, that's great. I, yeah, that's we played great. a lot of uh, BFBC too, mm-hmm. um, and Vietnam uh, after that. Yeah, um, um, I I mean it's beyond the scope of this thing, but I've had a lot of experience with like free to play ish, like those first person shooters kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, friends and I in the beginning of college played a bunch of those. But I have a lot of stories amongst, if you ever play those really weird Korean developed like free to play ish kind of things, yep. um, I have some great stories from back then about, you know, just the crazy things I'd get up to and yeah. playing even in high school, like a bunch of Battlefield 1942, I think it was, just stuff from that. Just, that's a story for another time. Yeah. So uh, we haven't talked about you and guns. Did you ever get guns, into the guns? duel? Yeah. Yes, I okay. knew about that. Right. I, yes. Oh, I, wait, it, that was was that, it because I mentioned it before? Or is no, this purely no, no. out of you? This is this is this is out of yeah. This is this is for me. Because, we, we, yeah. you, we, I, I don't think oh, you and I have ever talked about it. I have a, yeah. I, I I have a slight issue with guns. I'm not. I wasn't full on K style or anything. Like this is we're gonna go. We're gonna go. <laughs> we're, deep. Get, we're getting deep. We're gonna go yeah. deep. I'm not. Yeah. I, this is a game. Yeah. Guns yeah, with the Guns with a Z. <laughs> guns. Guns with a Z. Yes. Uh, there there is is one of those like yeah those really. You know, cheaply developed Korean MMO kind of deals, but it was okay. trying to mix gunplay and like swords and all that other stuff. Interesting. So if you remember, um, oh, what was that game on the Wii that had the guns and the katana thing? That was um, Red something. So there was Wait, one the, like No More Heroes. No, no, no. It was it was a, one of the, like an early launch game for the Wii that was like all about like hey, you could switch between like shooting a gun or wielding a sword. Okay. But the thing is, it was like it was like that only as an MMO like arena battler kind of thing, mm. and. They discovered a glitch where you can cancel certain bits of lag, 
and what happened that developed what was called K style. So people ended up like literally like zipping and flying across the map and just like doing all the most craziest matrix level kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was all. <laughs> yeah. It was a whole thing. Yeah. It was it was it was pretty wild. Great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. I just we'd, we'd never like really like had a chance to talk about that before. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to wanted to make sure that somebody else knew that it existed. Yes. Because it's kind of hard to like find now. Um, I was, yeah, I thought it was some sort of like fever dream that I had. It's uh, it was, it's close. Yeah, like Shazam. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so what else came out that year? So that was uh, Heavy Rain, uh, who was uh, that is a super narrative style game, and it's like it's a game that I wish was better than it actually was. Mm. Uh, I like I have it, and I didn't get very far into it, um, because it's like it's quick time events the game, right? Gotcha. So, I think it's broader yeah. in the okay. aspect of just the developer, Quantic Dream. Right. Because they're known for these super artsy, like narrative heavy games. Yeah. So previously, Indigo Prophecy slash Fahrenheit, depending on which region you were from, was had garnered a lot of discussion. And so then Heavy Rain was the big one because it was released on the PS3 at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was like really pretty graphics and all that jazz. And if we jump ahead a little bit, you know, latest was with the uh, Detroit, you know, uh, yeah. Become Human. And then there was one in between there, but I don't quite remember. It's like Beyond Two Souls, I think. Was it them? I think that's that's them. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Yeah. Anytime yeah. where you feel like a super artsy, fartsy, narrative-driven, quick-time heavy yeah. game. Yeah. But it's but it's but it's a but it's a triple A title. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like that doesn't happen often in triple A titles, right. but they they were they're able to to keep getting funding for it and mm -hmm. they sell. They're like they're really interesting games and that's one of the things that I like about games is that they're not always the same. They're people have different definitions of like gameplay and how gameplay and narrative interact. And, yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a spectrum where you're all narrative and all gameplay, right? And people can, you can find stuff along that spectrum that mixes things in interesting ways. Hey, Chris, so, ask me about indie games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're good. Let me talk about Alan Wake. Yeah, Ooh, uh, Alan Wake. We so need to finish that, by the way. We do. We really do need to finish that. But yeah, so Alan Wake is a super, super great uh, narrative-driven game where you, it's it's very meta because you play. A, a horror author who goes on a vacation with his wife and his wife ends up getting taken by some sort of supernatural force. Very Stephen King, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. Very Stephen, it's like Stephen King, Stephen King, Twin Peaks. Uh, and it, it's, it's very cool. And I wish that we were going to get a second one, but I don't think we ever are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... So the the conceit of it is that like you are running around this town trying to find your wife but you keep finding pages of a novel that you supposedly wrote that is dictating what either has happened or is about to happen. That's creepy. Yeah. And so you can kind of like play around it and yeah. uh, expect what's coming up and it cause sometimes informs you of game mechanics and stuff. And, uh it was it was a really really cool uh, a really cool little game that came out on the 360 uh, in 2010, and it got it got a like a mini sequel where they take the same thing, but they turn it instead of it being like you're you're in a in a novel that you wrote, you're in a like a Twilight Zone episode okay. uh, with like time travel and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And it's 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 really cool. Uh, it's not you know it's not uh, the sequel that we the the people wanted or fans of the game wanted, but it, it's still it's still really cool. Yeah. Uh, I played a lot of that. Uh, as I mentioned before, I missed like graduation practice to <laughs> <laughs> right to 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 finish it. 
because you you already knew how to walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, like speaking of graduation, so like one of the cool things that happened in 2010, yeah, for me, um, was Steam for Mac. So like it came out in 2010. I had a Mac because I was doing video production, and um, what better? Because I was, I think they had already introduced boot camp. They had already introduced mm -hmm. the idea of um, being able to, stuff, right? yeah, parallels and everything like that. Um, so like the way I was living my life at that time was <laughs> I would reboot into PC to go play yep. stuff, and then like go back to Mac for creative stuff and things like that. Because really, Adobe Premiere, Adobe Creative Suite wasn't as powerful. It didn't run as well on mm -hmm. like the Mac platform, and I was on Windows um, or Mac on Windows. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um. I was also like, you know, all my editing software was on Mac, so I had to. Um, and so, like, everything from CS Source to Half Life to, like, basically the whole Valve platform, yeah, like, the development, like, their games was available on Steam suddenly, yep. which was, like, for me, a huge big deal because that was really the first time Macs had become viable gaming PCs. Yeah. Um, and that was even still kind of early because, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot outside of that. Mm -hmm. But, like, from there, in the next few years, you had stuff like Origin that launched. You have um, Team Fortress Two. Yeah, like nice. all that stuff. Like all of the different developers, different platforms are suddenly putting out their own um, games for for Mac. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, st speaking of Steam, so there was this game that I used to play with a bunch of my high school buddies. Mm -hmm. But like after I had graduated, we all reconnected and played Alien Swarm. I don't. Know if my friends and I played a little bit of that yeah. too. Yeah, I remember the hats they gave you for <laughs> TF2. Yeah, yeah. That too. So this was like this weird was, third party. Did you ever play this? I, I did not. Third no. person. Uh, it was a top squad, down shooter. Yeah. yeah, top down squad based shooter. So you, it was like four oh, people okay. running around, almost sort of like a MOBA, but. Um, it was more, actually, I would argue more like top down Left 4 Dead. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. Okay. But with aliens instead but with of zombies. With aliens, yeah. Instead of like alien insects instead of zombies. Yeah. Interesting. And with a little sci-fi setting. So I remember I played like the engineer who could set up like a little turret. Yep. And the well, and the worst part was there was friendly fire and I had a friend of mine who was hyper aggressive right. shotgunner. And he kept on running oh into in the thing. I'm like, no, stop running yeah. in front of my shots. Everybody yeah. just cover a sector. <laughs> yeah. I remember huh. that. Yeah. So that was fun. And honestly, I've looked for that game recently. Uh -huh. It kind of disappeared off of Steam. Like it really? just it it disappeared out of my games list, my library. Oh. Um, I mean, I think I can still. I've I've seen it like once or twice. Right. But even just trying to figure out the name of that game for the longest time took took me a while. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. Speaking uh, of party games. Speaking right. of party games. Uh, so this was really the last time for maybe like six years or so that there would yeah. be a giant uh, install for you know rhythm games, mm -hmm. right? So Rock Band Three was the last Rock Band game. To come out until four in 2016, 2017. Yeah. And it had its own like weird little ecosystem because it had the creators. Wasn't Rock Band I, I Beatles came called. out a little bit afterwards too? Say what? Rock Band Beatles? Rock Band Beatles came out right before it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Beatles, Beatles Rock Band, I think is technically what, it, okay. what it's called. Something but like uh, this one had its own uh, store where people could upload their own charts for right. songs that they had the rights to. So you would get yeah. bands uploading their own songs, which was really cool mm -hmm. and really pumped some life into the game. But, you know, you you just wouldn't see it anywhere after maybe 2012. Right. right. Yeah, it was just sort of like the last the last time you would see it. And part of it is because uh, Activision and, oh, no, never, nope. Uh, who's the company that did 
the Tony Hawk games? Never saw? Oh, gosh. Oh, I think so, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Uh, when they took over the Guitar Hero franchise, they started doing them every single year and sometimes multiple releases a year. Okay. And that sort of just like oversaturated the market and yeah. got people tired of, of rhythm games really quickly. That said, you know, you would still get like the occasional like dance party game uh, for, yeah. for Just Dance yeah. uh, or one of the other ones. I mean, those have always been big in Japan too in the arcades. DDR has never really died. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, ideally, it never will because that's. That's just they its did, own little institution. Yeah, they just yeah. put out a new version of it too. Like, yeah. or they are always releasing new right. stuff for that. DDR, yeah. Beat Mania. They have the Taiko Drum stuff in Japan. Like, yeah. there's tons of stuff. Yeah, yeah. there's. Yeah, it's no, alive sorry. and well in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Neversoft is and correct. Never. Oh, it was Neversoft. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, when they took over Guitar Hero Three in 20, 2008, I think it was, and uh, after mm -hmm. that, it was just a lot of stuff coming out every single year, and people got tired of it. And, yeah. I don't blame them. Uh, and uh, honestly, we still play Rock Band. That's the version, yeah. that's the version <laughs> that we play. Because uh, we just have so many songs for it. Yeah. You have so many songs for it. Yeah. There's a, there's a live, or there's a really lively uh, custom songs community now yeah. uh, that isn't stuff that you have the rights for. So you don't have to pay for it. But uh, there's all, all sorts of stuff uh, that you can get. And Whereas it's really cool. In the indie space, I remember at the time when it was still big, there was the indie version of it called Frets on Fire. Yep. Ooh. So that oh, was yeah, that was really some fire still going because yeah. they used the F1 keys, so you could literally hold your keyboard like this. Yep, great. On ah. the F keys, and then the space bar is just strobes. You go. Da -da 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 That's perfect. It was amazing. Yeah. It was it was really cool. Uh, Frets on fire. There's there are a couple of other like uh, PC clones basically that right. that that exist, but it was a it was a really interesting just like institution for the last half of the odds. Sure. And uh, it just disappeared. Yeah. Uh, but what something that came up and sort of like took its place, or not really took its place, but just got started rising up was mobile games. Right. Yeah. So like even the Rock Band mobile stuff, there was mm -hmm. that existed or Guitar Hero that was you could play on your phone, and then there were there were a bunch of other little like music games that there were like Piano Hero or something like that. Yeah. Everything that Hero do. of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like one thing that stood out to me as far as like the advent of the 2010s was suddenly you have an explosion of iOS games, Android games, mm -hmm. um, and we'll even talk about it later. There's stuff for like Fire OS and Windows, Windows Phone. Um, but like, I think a game that kind of kicked off that whole scene was you know, not even Angry Birds, but Plants vs. Zombies was probably like, the biggest seller of yeah. 2010 for, oh, yeah. for mobile games. I mean, that started off as a Flash game, right? It was like, yeah. So, this, so yeah, this, beyond, again, beyond the scope of this particular podast, but uh, yeah, Flash games. Like, if you're going to go to indie games, I can go all the way back to Newgrounds. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's do that sometime. Newgrounds, addicted games. Oh, uh, I new, am Newgrounds so, and the Toonami game. I yeah. am so ready for that. I am so ready for that. <laughs> Like this is me getting to wax poetic, or like just yeah. go go on about like my history. Like I remember this, I remember that, and chart like then this and that and that. Oh, so good. Yeah. And I don't even consider myself like too deep into any of that kind of stuff either. Like I was not big into Newgrounds, but I just knew of it and hung around a lot. Mm -hmm. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's also one one other big game that sort of came out uh, at the time that did 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 some really interesting things. Uh, not necessarily in the gaming space, but in the entertainment space around games. Right. Yeah, the entertainment of the entertainment. Yep. So, uh, Amnesia: The Dark Descent was is the first indie game that we're really going to talk about. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it Plants was. Plants vs. Zombies was fairly indie. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Plants vs. Zombies was, was very indie. Um, but uh, Amnesia, 
is this great horror game. horror game. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I was gonna see if there's any any other modifier I could put, but no, it's it's a horror game. Um and uh it it sort of launched a bunch of like YouTube careers, basically, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Markiplier is the big one if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, just like people like, you know, just reaction videos. And that was kind of around the time that that sort of started. Yeah. There's just a whole bunch of people just absolutely freaking out because, you know, it's, yeah, you're being chased by a scary monster. It's like uh, Mr. X in Resident Evil, right? It's yeah. It's a similar kind of a deal. Yeah. Was that kind of like around the same time that basically all of these let's watch people play games sort of launched? Yeah. Was around that time. I, I mean, it wasn't quite the level of streaming just yet, like yeah. Twitch. But the thing is, it was just you see like viral clips of stuff. Or people recording their friends playing, right? And it's just like hearing people just whispering, like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Just hiding yeah. in the corner and stuff. It's just, yeah. I, I remember there's one particular one that's like really well known that's always passed around for the longest time back in the day. I'll see if I can dig it up sometime. Okay. Yeah. If you do, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. 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 I'll find it. Well, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Lou, talk to me about indie games. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the ones we have of note, at least releasing in 2010, is Limbo and Super Meat Boy. But that's very much on the tail end of the whole like renaissance starting from Xbox Live Arcade. Mm -hmm. So uh, the big ones that are a little bit before that were Braid previously and Castle Crashers. Castle Crashers is interesting because that started off on something from Newgrounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy, the David Fulp, he did Alien Hominid, mm -hmm. uh, My Dad and Me, and a couple of other things on Newgrounds. But his art style, he, he and the, the folks he worked with broke off and made themselves a game company and released Castle Crashers, which is yep. still big. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, so... Uh, that limbo became a super artsy, dark kind of like slightly pseudo horror platformer kind of deal about a little kid lost in the woods trying to rescue his sister. Yeah. Uh, super Meat Boy. Great, great little game, all on grayscale. Very atmospheric and yeah, it's just it, it really invigorated a lot of talk about you know just like the feelings you get behind it because you're like an innocent little kid and there are horrors in the woods. You know the night is dark and full of terrors. But uh, and Super Meat Boy is the big, you know, like super challenging. It's the hard, like the Kaizo Mario kind of deal where things were going on. I mean, Kaizo Mario, I think, were still mods and videos going around that time, too. Yeah. So, you know, uh, what is it? I want to be the guy or whatever the previous uh, versions yeah. of that. Uh, the Bashi. I want to yeah. be the Bashi, yeah. yeah. And, and those series of like Super Kaizo games were also somewhere around that period. But Super Meat Boy is one of the ones that are super broke out in mainstream popularity. Just again, the people talk about Braid. Castle Crashers, uh, Limbo, Super Meat Boy being like the first wave of the big indie revival or the big the mainstreaming of indie games. Yeah, and they all a lot of them started from the Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah, the Summer of Indies or something that they did, and it was it's it's it, this is what you'll start seeing this a lot more as we talk. Like that really kicked off people realizing that indie games can be a viable path to release something and be good and make money off of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that that sort of takes us into into 2010 or 2011. Lou, uh, you want to talk about some of the games that were yeah that were out there? So some of the big ones we got uh, Batman Arkham City. So Arkham Asylum was a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. 2008, I want to say. Okay, but uh, it got really really well liked, well reviewed, uh, lots of success, and the next big one they decided to go crazy with it and go Arkham City. Yeah. So City was the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was like the first real open world version. I mean, Arkham yeah. Asylum had some sort of open worldness, yeah. but it was more of a, like a partially linear. It felt more like a Metroidvania. Yeah. yeah where, where the open world is backtracked. Right. It's yeah. not necessarily. Exactly. Like, like there's more stuff to do. It's just that there was stuff that was already there that you couldn't get to. Right. But yeah, it was huge, sprawling, again, really well reviewed, well loved. 
it's, I mean, there's a lot you could say about just how, uh, what is it, something, Full Moon Studios, I believe, is the, mm. I think how they basically revitalized and created the free flow combat system that you see being aped a lot. Yeah. Right? Like, they, that was a huge, really good. it is really good. <laughs> and they combined that with all the open world stuff we see. I mean, I guess going on later, you look at Ubisoft and all their Far Cries. I mean, I, Far Cry 2 was definitely another big inspiration and definitely, I think, one of the earliest big open world games that really set off the trend. Mm -hmm. But um, it's the collectathons. You just start seeing them more and more and more. With the, with the success of that in Arkham City, you just lots of stuff to collect. Yeah. Um, so back on the Steam train, <laughs> we got, uh, Portal 2 came out in 2011, which was like, that was so much fun. And what I loved most about Portal 2 was the co-op game yeah. where you could just connect with somebody and do like all these stupid shenanigans yeah. of um, throwing portals everywhere. And yeah. the fact that, that that game is, it's still pretty lively as far as the community is concerned. Right. And we're talking nine years later where people are still making puzzles and maps for it that you can, you can download and play. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those like lasting games. Um, but I don't know, it was, it was fun. Um, so also in 2011 was the official launch of, um, or the conversion more or less of, I forget what it was called before, but the EA like store, yeah, EA, or, store I think. Um, EA downloader, I think is what it's called, yeah. to the to Origin, um, which opened up again. So that launched on PC and Mac, and I think even on Linux too, um, launching oh. like a slew of games that you could uh, that you could any any games that was like compatible with the system that they had. Mm -hmm kind of pre-made so like everything from the sims to they brought back battlefield 1942 battlefield <laughs> 2142 battlefield two three whatever they were on at that yeah. point. two three four two yeah whichever yeah two x four two you're probably right yeah but back back in like steam um there was i remember playing la noir a lot which was mm. one of those like fun rpg um also back in like the open world too yep. Yep. um sort of in this because that was by was that by rockstar Rock, or, rockstar yeah yep. L.A. Noir was also super influential because it was one of the first games that did like real, like extensive facial capture yeah. for, for performances because you're a detective and you need to be able to tell whether people are lying by watching their faces for tells and stuff. Right. So they went whole hog in terms of like doing the facial captures you see, to see like the dots all over their faces. Yeah, and I think I remember reading that. a stat where it had like 20 times as many muscles as any other game or even like something more outrageous than that yeah. that they had built into the faces mm -hmm. in that game. Um, which is fascinating to me the fact that suddenly you're able to render these things because it wasn't like mm -hmm. a you like you're talking about quick time quick time whatever it was it was yeah. this was like legit rendered in, in real time just as a basis of comparison cross media when did avatar james cameron's avatar come out 2011 so this is roughly yeah. the same 2010 period, or 2011 right where technology got far enough where these kind of rendering stuff because lately i've been watching a lot of like corridor digitals vfx artists react mm -hmm. to stuff and so they've been doing stuff like they've recently did a whole section on uh the Lord of the Rings and how all their special effects held up, and they were working with like you know 2010 era computer graphics and how it still holds up today and all the tricks they were doing. Yeah. So like the digital. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just like it's been it's just on my mind now that you mention it. Yeah. Just like how special effects and how that ties into how video games are using the tools that movies and cinema are using right. to make them more immersive. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that's that's one of those interesting trends, and you'll see it. Uh, in in the games more and more and more as uh, as time goes on. I mean, the next game on our list, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Three. I mean, yeah. th isn't that just a Michael Bay movie? Basically, <laughs> right? Pretty much. I mean, oh, that man, now and, I want to go back and play it. <laughs> I mean, that and like Uncharted, right, where they really go for the full-on cinematic set pieces. And yeah. That was the thing you were seeing in these games, where it's 
just yeah it's all about the big bombastic single player experience well, i mean obviously call of duty was very heavily a multiplayer but in the single player sections and all these action games you see them going for these big set pieces where it's like you know exciting things that are going on that are sort of scripted and you just sort of go on there and it's like whoa it's like a ride yeah right yeah uh so there there was also temple run that came out that year i'm not going to spend too much mobile time games. on it yeah, just, yeah, mobile, this is just another mobile game but that was well, kind of a big deal at the yeah one of the things i was mentioning earlier is like i was at uh main event which is like a dave and buster's type yep. entertainment space arcade and they have like these big arcade versions of Temple Run that you can play. Not I've seen only those before, yeah. not only just Temple Run, but like clones of it too. Yeah, it's like I've seen a Flappy Bird arcade machine at like Dave and Buster's. Exactly, same. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, which is absolutely absolutely insane. <laughs> um, so on to on to indie games a little bit that year. Bastion first uh, published Super, Super Giant. Yeah, these guys. Whoa, put themselves on the map. They they really did. Uh, so Super Giant Games first first outing Bastion. It's a great little action platformer. Uh, not really no, platformer. Not really platformer. Um, Isometric guess, brawler kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's true. <laughs> it's kind of hard to hard to describe, but it's like a uh, like a top down three D uh, sort of sort of world. Old school Diablo esque kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. And, I've never played it. I don't think I've ever heard of it. No, it well gorgeous art style. And the big thing they were talking about is um it's, it's like you're it's a post apocalyptic thing where you wake up and you realize the world's been torn apart mm -hmm. and you need to find your way back to the bastion. And throughout the whole thing it was you're being narrated okay. by this super sweet I can't I can't remember the guy's name anymore, but the thing is like Darren Korb, I, no, that's the guy who composed it. Yeah. But his his like good club friend and roommate, this is super deep, velvety voice narrating everything he does. It's like this like gravelly, like Western, like Clint Eastwood esque kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just like the kid finds a hammer. It's like, I, like and he tells stories. It's just like, <laughs> like I remember back. It's like, or when he goes to a bar, he's like, yeah, the people of Ceylonia would come here and get a drink after the long day's work. Yeah. And he, he reminisces about awesome. all the stuff. Like the narrator was a character in there narrating yeah. the stuff that you did. It was so cool. Yeah. Cool. It was a it was a huge game, but I like. If indie games weren't on people's radar at the time, Bastion really did it. Okay, yeah. was it was another big one? Like this is just the things are just going to be piling up. Yeah, and I think I think Steam had something to do with that. As far as like we talked about the green light program a little green light? green light yeah green, yeah, light, green yeah. light program a little bit, um, but even some of the they they started introducing these almost pre-release type games right where you could you could buy into a game before it was released, but they had published it on Steam some like. I'm specifically thinking about Kerbal Space Program because right. that was something that yep. you could buy before it was actually released and yeah. almost beta test it for it. Early access, yeah, it was starting. Yeah, it was like an early access thing. Because originally they were trying the episodic games, you know, the Half-Life episode stuff. Yeah. Right? Like back in the day and they that didn't seem to work out too well. Like people were trying. We still don't have Half-Life 3. <laughs> we have Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life yeah. 2 Episode 2. We just can't reach that 3. Yep. Um, but yeah, Kerbal Space Program is probably a big, the biggest one. There's probably a few others that we're missing off the top of our heads where like, sure. early access was a big thing. Oh, well, I mean, Minecraft, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> but there's like Minecraft was an it's alpha true. that was going on for the longest time in 2010. Yeah. It didn't quite officially release until 2011. Yeah. Right. It was so. like, it was almost, because it was like the end of 2009 is when they first kind of published it. And in 2010, it was in alpha. And then 2011 was when it launched. The official yeah. release. It okay. officially launched in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. I've played a, Literally, I'm not joking. A small amount of Minecraft. I, it, I never, Yo. I never got into it as much as a lot of people did. My roommates in college played a crap ton of it, and really? they just had Minecraft servers. And I was like, all right, you guys have your fun. Whatever. Yeah. I yeah. see. I was more into like the Kerbal Space Program, or even like The Sims at the time. Yeah. If I'm gonna build something, I want. Yeah. 
I don't know, something that's a little bit more, um, less cartoony. Right. Not mm. that, I mean, Sims is definitely a cartoon, but right. it's, it's like life simulator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Versus right. Minecraft is like, it's more of like building Legos or building a, a building your own world. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, this was either mixing between League, Smash, and then my love, my undying love of indie games. So, uh, I mean, Binding of Isaac was in there, but one of the ones I remember that was really getting a lot of talk, probably not a lot of people remember it anymore, but it was called To the Moon. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it still is like one of the crazy, like really well-written emotional little story about like, um, it's, it's a world where like later on, we, the scientists have discovered a way to like alter people's memories. But the thing is, is that it kills them in the process. So they only offer this to the terminally ill. Okay. So the story is that these two technicians are coming to help alter the memories of this one man who um, I think it was like wants to forget his wife or something. It was like something really traumatic happened in, the, in his past. And so they're exploring his past memories. And then all of a sudden they realize like what's going and trying to give. Oh, no, no. He wanted to go to the moon. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Because his wife died and that was his wife's dream to go to the moon. So what they so the thing is like they give you so you can die peacefully and happy. So they're altering mm -hmm. your memories at the end. And then you, as you explore, you realize the whole story about like oh his wife like had low key like autism. It was on the spectrum and you didn't realize it. And then the entire time the reason why she wanted to go to the moon was it was like a metaphor for them like meeting each other or falling in love because they would like uh, she would fold origami rabbits to him for him. And then as uh, she was as he was as she was going like through dementia or something, she was slowly and slowly more and more like was laughing. And that was the only memory she held on to was the rabbit because the rabbit on the moon. She was origami rabbits and the fact that she wanted to bring him to the moon so that you know there was some way of like trying to connect to each other. Mm. And in the end, it was just this very touching story. And um, oh, I, do, I do have to. And the guy still releases more stories, and I've been meaning to play more games from the guy. But it's it was just I just remember a lot of people were just talking about that game to the moon. Great music soundtrack too. Speaking of great music soundtracks. Have you ever played Skyrim? <laughs> well, let's talk about this little game called The Elder Scrolls okay, V. Okay, so like my Skyrim. first introduction to Skyrim was uh, uh, Toby, what's his face, that did the uh, literal movie trailers. Mm -hmm. He was like, now you're on a dragon, something, something, something. Man, I wish I could remember it, but like, oh, that was great. I, that, I loved the literal movie trailers, mm -hmm. but Fusro Da. Yep. Man, that game that game is like, it's still around. People are still modding it and playing it. I mean, that's what gave it legs, right? The mod scene. Yeah. I mean, no, you totally. see like Tom and the Tank Engine flying through the air. <laughs> flying <laughs> through the air while, yeah. you know, like, like a My Little Pony, just like, that. you know, shoved a giant them. macho man, uh, Randy Savage, <laughs> like sound effects on every dragon shop. Yeah. Like, yeah. not only is it being modded, it's being re-released. Yeah. Right, oh, yeah. all the time. Like, yep. it was a launch title on the Switch, uh, which launched in 2017. We'll, we'll talk about oh, that God. later. And yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's kind of a kind of a big deal. It's it's a it has a bunch of staying power that I did not expect mm -hmm. uh, coming from coming from that game when I played it initially. And uh, yeah, it was a so like a big deal. Yeah. So like I think it was um it was kind of the advent we talked about a little bit with um, L.A. Noir and even Arkham City, just the the open world concept of video games and how it kind of introduced this. This was. It kind of introduced a, uh, an idea where the main storyline was an option. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, there was Grand Theft Auto three and four that I forget when four came out. It, it had to be before then. It had to be. It was before that. Yeah. Um, where yeah, because that was that was when the PS3 launched in two thousand six, seven, five, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, where you really didn't have to play the storyline to or to play the main quest line to advance your game. Um, you could still have fun with it. Yeah. Um. Which was fascinating. I think we'll get into more of it a little bit too with 
um, down the line with yeah. some other games. But I feel bad for getting my Grand Theft Auto when I was going on and I was Far Cry. So no, oh, yeah, <laughs> because it's never really my jam. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that that kind of that honestly defined the tens teens for me as far as the games that I enjoyed. The open world was stuff. Open world was fun. Um, I don't. What I don't like about open world is the massive amount of things that are completely arbitrary. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about you, Mister 2018 Spider-Man. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and sort of like taking that to the extreme uh, was, oop, careful, careful, buddy. Doge. Uh, was uh, Dark Souls, which came out that year. It is the Dark Souls of Dark Souls games. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> it's, uh, if, if you've never played them, they're super open world, almost, they're totally non-linear. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's very little like actual story direction because um, like you you have a goal in the game or in in each game uh in in the dark soul series but uh there's no there there are barely cutscenes there's no like there's almost none in pc dialogue there's one of the big things yeah is how they do their lore because it's all based on the items and the little snippets that you pick up as you go interesting yeah and so it sort of like launched this really interesting community um of people trying to like decode the stories that uh miyazaki who's the, the the game's creator was trying to right trying to tell and you see that influence a lot nowadays too as well yeah for sure there and there's there's so many things from the combat that gets taken and put into a bunch of other games and right. i talked about this on the last episode when i was talking about uh the the polygon video let's talk about dark souls one last time wait no where are you going <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah uh and uh which if you haven't watched is, is really good and we're barely touching on dark souls here but it was extremely influential and uh such a such a really cool uh, really cool way to sort of buck some trends and uh, take take other trends to their natural uh, their natural uh, extremes because yeah. there's like they're they're in the game like there there are no you're, there's only a save point system mm-hmm. so there's no checkpoints which oh yeah was yep. not something that was happening at the time right because a lot of the action driven uh, narrative games all had checkpoint systems and. Uh, it was anti frustration uh, features. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, Dark Souls is very much about yeah. frustration, uh, frustration. <laughs> and you know, sort do of do it like, again till you get it right. Yeah, it's uh, it's very much it's very much a practice more than it is a game, mm-hmm. uh, which you you kind of I, I didn't really understand until I started playing them, uh, and honestly, like no one had ever pitched them to me like that before. When you put it that way, then that draws me. That makes me parallels back to the old school arcade games. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, exactly. Right? Ex- exactly. Like, I'm huh. drawing parallels to like old school Contra, right? Where it comes down to muscle memory. There's shmups, which again, ask me about shmups sometime. Full of hell stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's just interesting. It's interesting that you just trigger that parallel. But yeah. Go on. And, and that's the idea is that we're 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 talking about these games in a way that you guys may not have mm-hmm. may not have heard about them. Um, can I interrupt you before yeah. we move on? Um, so, Dark Souls, like, is there somewhere I could go to watch somebody play this game? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, we plug ourselves at the end. What are you on about? <laughs> um, no, okay, so, like, you streamed this for forever, right? Yeah. Dark Souls? Uh, uh, Blood not Born. Dark Souls, Bloodborne. Didn't which you, is didn't one you stream of, one Dark, Dark Souls, Souls early on? No, I thought about it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, like, we have it installed for me to eventually stream the original uh, Dark Souls. Gotcha. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it because uh, it's... Uh, Okay. I thought you had done it at some point. 
No, I had I hadn't. I, I really wanted to. Well, in the uh, future. In the in the future, and that's one of the things is that there's actually the like one of the one of the big things about Dark Souls that sort of like launched its community were people other people playing it on Twitch yeah. and YouTube and using YouTube to sort of uh, pull out the lore bits and discuss theories and oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so it it has its own little like YouTube video production like. Uh, there are like full market. channels dedicated to the lore. I mean, yeah. I know I've been pointed to them. Yeah, I've been pointed to them before. I just I don't know their names off the top of my head. Yeah, they're they're super fascinating and uh, really interesting, and they're not always right, and they're they're not always what you would interpret, but they're they're super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, eventually, if you if you want to see us uh, stream Dark Souls, I, I might I might do that. Just try and get um, that plug in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, we we plug ourselves at the end. Be patient. I know, but be you got to do it all the time. Yes. All the time. All the time. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, this is Chris from the CNC Power Hour. Oh hey Chris. Hi from the CNC, <laughs> from Power. CNC Power. My name is Andy from the CNC Power Hour. Hi Andy from the CNC Power Hour. Uh, Over here's Lou from the CNC Power Hour. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, 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 doctor. doctor. <laughs> That's us right now. Uh, <laughs> so okay, we got like a couple more things. A couple to more cover things for 2011. 2011. Um, you, Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. It was a uh, this is like the first in the modern uh, post-World of Warcraft MMOs. Gosh. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was going to be this huge, huge World of Warcraft killer. And uh, that, because that was the goal at the time, was to take down World of Warcraft. And we sort of like walked away from that after right. so many other things have failed to become like, well, let's just make a game that other people can play perpetually online. Yeah. Uh, and that's, where, that's sort of where the MMO space is now, but... Really, at the time, it was just like, we're going to be like WoW, but better. Right. Uh, and it was like, we're going to be like Star Wars WoW, which is kind of what ended up happening was it was uh, World of Warcraft, but really the world, the version of World of Warcraft that existed six years prior to its right. existence. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess five, because it was like playing World of Warcraft, the Burning Crusade. So if you've never played World of Warcraft, uh, it comes out in expansion packs, and they sort of like define eras of the game. Sure. Right? And uh, the Burning Crusade uh, was... It's second most popular expansion, but it was when it was still like pretty hard and pretty grindy to get what you want. Yeah, it was and, the first expansion too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was it was the first expansion, and that's sort of the systems that Star Wars: The Old Republic took, and the, those are the underlying gameplay systems, and then they put it uh, with the Knights of the Old Republic decision tree and right. mm-hmm. all all that stuff. They and, tried to do the whole Bioware kind of level of, oh man, yeah, there's there's a we. There's so much to talk about, like how Bioware influenced a whole bunch of things. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's sort of how it went, and it failed miserably. Right. I think it's still available mm. for, as a freeware thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not actually so sure. I haven't checked into it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's sort of sort of it for games. We have a we have a big esports thing to talk about. Yeah. Ooh. So 2011 was a period when esports really started getting big. Uh, the Dota 2, their international, was the first big esports championship with over a million dollar price pool um i know that league of legends this is technically the season two league of legends world championship but that was when it really got big because they sold out the staple center like that was it was big and there's some and there's still a lot of memes from there like they had some broadcasting troubles where like the whole thing the whole broadcast like 
the servers poop themselves. And so there was like a literally like a six hour long delay. And you hear the stories from the shoutcasters who had to fill in the time in there. Yeah. And it, during the interstitials, there was this one song that just kept on playing on the loop because that was their like break music for that uh. one thing. But it got played so long because it only got extended. It's called Silver Scrapes. And that is the, one of the biggest memes in League of Legends history. <laughs> and I remember like listening to that back in the day. And it was, oh, the, those were some interesting times. Again, beyond the scope of this particular discussion, but like old school league stories is... Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. All right. Moving on to 2012. 2012. Uh, big thing is we have on top of the thing is that the release of the Wii U. The what? The Wii U. Wii U. And, Wii U, the Wii U. and that's all we have to say about that <laughs> because there was nothing else to talk about for the Wii U. <laughs> but you know what also happened in 2012? I'm going to skip down here for a second. Uh, Mass Effect 3. Yeah. So this was kind of this is where, uh, so I, I have this like gaming group of, we called ourselves a clan because we were like, you know, gaming troop or uh, fire team actually, <laughs> before you guys, yeah. yep. um, that I used to play like everything online with. So it was everything from Call of Duty, Battlefield, World of Warcraft. Mass Effect 3 was like the other game that we, that we played because it was just the multiplayer aspect of it. Um, mm. You could play against other people or there was even like a co-op. You play against the the computer of like this team of four to six players or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, that was huge for me. That was like a weird. I'd never played one or two. This is my first introduction to Mass Effect, and this is a theme that continued through the tens, the teens, um, where I was playing the like third and fourth version of games. Yeah. Um, and then there was the whole outcry over like the ending. The ending. Of yeah. Mass Effect Three. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any. That, 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 that was it. It was it was a whole kerfluffle. Uh and uh yeah, that was a it was a it was a great game. A couple of other other great games that came out that year. Uh, Dishonored. Dishonored. Uh, did we did we have Mass uh Deus Ex uh, uh Human Revolution somewhere in here? We did not. When was that? Is it twelve? It's somewhere in that period because I was just thinking at the time there's a big discussion on the revival of the systemic games yeah. that mm -hmm. they were coming out. So that, uh, like, Thief had a reboot sometime. Yeah, Thief, yeah, Thief had a reboot at the time, yeah. Yeah, so it, 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 the, the new, the Hitman reboot is coming up soon in, like, 2016 or something, because this was, Hitman Absolution was 2012, I believe. Yeah. I was, I was looking that up briefly on my own, for my own kind of thing. But, yeah, it's, it started the revival of the systemic game, uh, which I will tie eventually to, like, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, we see today. Yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, just... Just a bit. Uh, just to run down a couple of other things that had come out that year. So, Borderlands 2, uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown, Diablo 3, which was a huge release. Yeah, we uh, played a lot of that. Yeah, I played a lot of that. I remember I played it a bit, but only ever single player. I don't think I ever played much multiplayer with my friends. Really. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it was it was really interesting in the the idea of like a uh, an international or like an international auction house that you could also like transfer stuff to yeah. and from for real money. That was oh, a, yeah, that yeah. was whole interesting. Yeah, and yeah that lasted a that lasted a total of like six months. Yeah. And <laughs> but that was also the first Diablo three in like twelve or, years, basically. Yeah, yeah, Diablo. that was the first Diablo in years. Um, yeah, probably ten years. Which is you know we see that too with Borderlands, where the next one came out seven years later. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So then, Far Cry three. Did either of you play Far Cry three? No, I always wanted to. Yeah, um, I played a add-on pack for for Far Cry Three that really used Blood the Dragon? engine, Blood Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like this super like um, uh, if, if it was like the '80s vision of the future on steroids. Yes, 
retro futuristic uh, 80s perfect like, yeah. neon drenched kind of thing it, was, uh, it, it, it is literally like a fever dream yeah yeah no it's it, it was it was one of my favorite things to come out uh uh in like the far cry far cry universe this is re really the only thing that i played it was kung fury before kung fury yeah basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and which was around almost around the same time as it was another two years or so so right. kung fury came out but yeah uh yeah so that uh that sort of existed uh you you want to uh, i'll let you take fez yeah fez. i want to talk about journey right so indie game okay sure so the indie game i was mentioning previously you know it's like this is not gonna be an hour long <laughs> no. we're we're way, we're way past that already yeah it's fine so uh you know i was talking about previously like braid super meat boy uh they were really big in the indie game space but it was specifically because they were covered in indie games the movie Mm -hmm. There's a whole movie about these auteur indie developers, and I know Fez was one of them. Fez mm -hmm. was one of the ones that were featured, and Fez finally came out, and I adore Fez. It is a mind-bending puzzle platformer yeah. because you are, you know, platformer is a 2D space, right? But you end up getting the power of the Fez, and then the hat, and then you are able to manipulate space. So now all of a sudden you realize the world is three-dimensional, and you can rotate the world, and as things rotate, like, platforms get rotated into different positions mm. so originally you know you see something that's like really far away but when you shift in 90 degrees you realize they're right next to each other and then you can then jump onto that platform and then rotate back and now you're far away again huh yeah so it, it is mind-bending and there are so many hidden secrets in there too in terms of like other other layers uh and like there's like the the basics cubes that you're collecting but then there's like these hidden shadow cubes and like if you want to complete fez it is a real effort and there's like puzzles that people were working out that like people were still, it took like a decade before people finally realized like, or, or not a decade, but like it took lots of years. Yeah. And sometimes they just even had to just data mine it. People were like, mm. I don't know how to figure out this puzzle. Like how do we unlock this stupid thing yeah. and to get it? But yeah, Fez is a very interesting game. Definitely worth checking out. Perfect. So yeah. I'm interject here real quick. Go for it. So I'm, I got really lucky because this game came out in 2012. There's a game called The Room. Not the which, movie. Yeah, not the movie. No, not the movie. Um, and not the Silent Hill game. I, I feel like I've heard of this. They're related, but is this, this is one of those escape rooms. It was an yes. It was okay. uh, like an iOS-based, um, specifically it first launched on the iPad because you needed like you needed the the whole like landscape thing that you could you could see everything that was going on in the room. Um, but it was like sort of a horror escape the room type thing. It it just reminded me of that where you were yeah. you were constantly rotating or moving pieces to look at them a little bit differently right. and just be able to um, I mean as with any kind of escape the room game yeah. where you're looking under the chair a little bit differently or you're yeah. you know you're moving a piece rotating something that you don't normally rotate in real life like the 3DS was out by now, right? Yes. Yeah, cuz actually that was like Because when you start talking about that, they there was a lot of those on yeah. the Nintendo uh, DS at the time. Uh, Phoenix Wright, in particular, yeah, they originally is just a port of all the Game Boy Advance games, gotcha. but they had a an additional uh, trial at the very end that took advantage of the Nintendo DS's capabilities, which included you like rotating pieces to find like fingerprints and all that other yeah. stuff. So, yeah, that just brought to mind that bit. No, it was sort of this like magical uh, universe that you existed in. You you lit you were in a room and then you kind yeah. of made your way inside a castle and yeah. you like were transported inside that castle. I mean that draws parallels back to like the old Mist series. Oh, yeah. And oh, then yeah. and then like and then, yeah, then the escape room and then the escape room stuff. Because I remember there was a whole I remember coming across a little bit of a history of like all these escape room games. Oh yeah. I remember playing a few myself. They used to be like flash games and they just remember, like the up, Crimson Room or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. These just puzzly kind of games that just came up. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. So uh, interesting. I didn't know that that was when that came out. I heard you talk about it before, but I yeah. never actually uh, really really knew what and that there's, was. There's, I think there's a version two and three now. Yeah. Okay. Two. Um, and it, it has since released uh, on the on Windows and the Switch. So. Oh wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, so the next one I kind of want to talk about is uh, one that is very near and dear to my heart because it's like it's not it's less of a game and more of an experience. Yeah. Uh, it's called Journey. Yep. And it won all sorts of awards that year. Genova Chen, uh, yeah, I, I'm familiar with Genova Chen earlier from his indie stuff before he made it big with Journey. So yeah. go ahead with this one, but I can provide some more context and history. Yeah. So uh, you, the idea is uh, it's very much uh, a like silent uh, walk through the hero's journey, which is yes. its own its own problem for me, but. Um, that's a that's a whole other. Uh, I can go on and on about the hero's journey and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. a big student of like literature and storytelling and stuff. So this is right. Yeah, and so like it's it it really sort of like takes you through that, and you play a character that you you interact with other. You can so you're you're silent. You you're can a make pilgrim, a couple of, and you're the entire purpose is for you to reach the top of this mountain. Yeah. It is a pilgrimage. Yeah, effectively, and you're going through all these trials and all this stuff, going through all these environments, and uh, maybe you. Find somebody to go take that journey with you. Yeah, uh, at the at the time there was like drop in drop out co op play. And, well, that's the sh that's the secret yeah. hidden. Oh uh, right? well, <laughs> I guess so because uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was really interesting. I mean, it's not a thing now, right? But, I mean, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is like this is like Rosebud as a sled kind of thing, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, you're a pilgrim. You start off traveling across this desert, and all you see is the top of this mountain and this beacon on top, and that is your whole goal is to reach the top of that mountain. Mm -hmm. And so throughout that journey right you're met with other fellow pilgrims and you could help each other and like there's this very non-violent non-confrontational and the whole thing was that the only way you can communicate was singing this one note it's like boop kind of like ping at yeah them. and like whole thing you realize you can communicate with the other person trying to figure it out and helping each other and throughout the whole entire thing you're like encouraging each other to get to the top of that mountain and again this is a huge allegory for the hero's journey so you finally reach there and at the end they reveal to you hey this is who you were playing with and it was a big shock at the time people were like oh this wasn't an AI that was helping you out. This was another human being. And it was a way to facilitate, facilitate communication because there was no other way. There was no chat. There was no voice chat. There yeah. was no way to text. All you had was like your emotions and that one singing note that you can do. Like trying to figure out how to communicate and get people to either solve the platforming puzzles and do that whole thing. And it was one of those like moving experiences that people have, which is just like just pure connection. Yeah. Huh. It was really cool. It was, it was only maybe like three hours long. Yeah. Like you could finish it very quickly. Yeah. Uh, even if you didn't know what you were doing. And it's just... It it's, I I like a lot of like, games as art games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is that is probably one of the biggest for me. Right, Journey definitely. Um, yeah. And what's really cool is that like if you manage to complete the game and maybe like a hundred percent it maybe I think what it was you get a white cloak yep. because you start off with a pilgrim and you're in, like this dusty reddish cloak, mm -hmm. and then as you play it again then you can be the guy guiding the next thing. So it's a cyclical nature. Wow. It's a very huge metaphor about you know the hero's journey is always cyclical. You got to go back and you take the boon of the hero's journey. You take your boon and return it to your community. So then again, so you take the next generation of people onto that journey. Huh. And so yeah, there's so many layers of metaphor in journey. It's great. Yeah. It was it was a fantastic game, uh, just huge at the time. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's it's like swept awards. And it recently and came out on PC, so you get beautiful 4K, like the gorgeous sand, really? yes, gorgeous sand that. physics in 4K. Like nope. it's yeah. very pretty. <laughs> I didn't realize that it had a release. I thought it was just done. I was like, well, no, it, it was PS3. Then it came out on PS4, yeah. which I encouraged my friend. I literally paid my friend to buy it so I could play through it on the uh. PS4. And then uh, and then recently, I know it was like a year or two ago, it got re-released on the PC. 
Oh, wow. wow. Okay. So. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great. Um, we'll put a timestamp to like skip uh, to this point if you don't want journey spoilers. Because yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know how much that, that spoils the spoils right. the the actual gameplay of it because I think it's still really interesting because I I knew that going in. Yep. Um, but not not everybody can like separate spoilers and stuff whenever they're thinking right. about it. Um, we should probably wrap up 2012. There's one big thing that I want to talk about, and there are a couple of other games that we're going to mention real quick. Yeah. So uh, FTL Faster Than Light. I know that was a big one in terms of like people. A lot of people were talking about it. I don't know if it was a big streaming or a video kind of stuff. I just know yeah. that a lot of people were saying like they spent stupid amounts of hours playing. Yeah. Um, another big one is Spelunky HD. Just wanted to shout that out again. Uh, the creator of it. Uh, what is it? Dan Dan something. I I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. But basically, it was a re-release, an HD re-release onto the Xbox Live Arcade of a highly beloved freeware game so if you want to play the original spelunky it's available for free online but that is it's still going strong still going uh, huge today it is one of the original like indie roguelites that really popularized that particular genre yeah and same with ftl just mm -hmm. the roguelite you know you die you do you yeah you lose everything you do a rerun starting from scratch yeah um otherwise Sorry. yeah well skip through a uh, dear Esther is also on there at the start of the walking simulator Yep, <laughs> and uh, I misrecalled 2012 was the uh, League of Legends season two championship. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yep, um, I want to talk about The Walking Dead. Yeah, so such a great show. Ye, um, <laughs> it was it was at the time first uh, episode, first uh, season. I mean, first season one was fantastic. Yeah, and then Frank Darabont got fired, and all sorts of nonsense happened, and that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> so we're not talking about the show, right? We're talking about the Telltale game. So it was the the first game. That put Telltale on the map. They'd done a couple before then. They'd done like the Back to the Future games, mm -hmm. uh, which were really interesting. But they're um, sort of like uh, we mentioned Quick Time Simulators, but they're they're very like dialogue heavy, uh, it, uh, story driven games right. that you really only press like two or one of four buttons. But you know, it's uh, they're they're really interesting, and your decisions. Uh, have effects across the like episodes that were released. You can make an argument this is sort of the synthesis and the successful implementation of what Quantum Dream was doing previously. Yeah. Heavy Rain. Yeah. Right? Like Heavy Rain was big blockbuster, it was expensive, not a lot of people got it. But then you look at Walking Dead and it's something that's small, it's an app, not a lot, it's like five bucks or something at the time. Yeah. And they're developed episodically, so it was not a huge investment for the studio. Right. So like they could experiment and be artsy about this kind of stuff and take risks. Yeah. And it was its own thing. So it wasn't uh, the plot of the show. It was its right. own little story in the universe. And yep. uh, the, the characterization of it is really cool. And it's, it's great. And it really put Telltale on the map for, for the 2010s. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about The Walking Dead again later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at, at the end, because uh, there's, there's sort of a tragic end here. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, huge. Walking Dead, right? Yeah, that's true. Wow. That is true. Uh, so that brings us to 2013. All right. So 2013. Yeah. We talked briefly uh, moments ago about the kind of bringing back of old classic games. Uh, I'm going to jump into some Sim City real quick. Yeah. Because previous to 2013, the last Sim City, Sim City 4, came out like probably 10 years before that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly. I think it was like 2001, 2002, probably. Maybe even 2000. No, it had to be after 2000 because there was Sim City 2000. Yeah, but suddenly you had this like reboot of a game that people hadn't heard about or even thought about in forever. Yeah, um, man, I played the 
crap out of that. <laughs> Uh, again, yeah. that was an origin release, so this was kind of, um, and it released on both sides, on mm -hmm. Mac and PC. Um, so there was a lot of that, like, cross-platforming of, of games. Um, that was exciting. Um, 2013 was also kind of the release of, um, well, the release of GTA V, uh, mm -hmm. Grand Theft Auto, which is still going strong today, seven years later, with the online community. Right. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, I don't know. The, later on, later on in 2013, which we'll kind of get to, was like the PS4, Xbox One release. Yeah. Um, which brought a lot with it. Uh, there was Disney Infinity. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that or saw it or heard anything about it. Was that their like amiibo kind of deal? Yeah, it was the precursor to the amiibo, really. Yeah. Because I think that came out with uh, um, Skylanders. Later on. Skylanders was another thing. Yeah. Yeah, Skylanders was another thing, and there was another. There was a Lego Infinity at some point. Yeah. So this was like, yeah, this was Star Wars. They had, uh, I think 2.0 was Marvel Heroes. 3.0 was something else. Mm. Uh, but Disney, Disney Infinity was kind of this, you, you buy into a, um, a little figurine that, that suddenly you can play with. It becomes your character, which I, it was cool. And it's great for kids um, to be able to go from the screen, take your little figurine and right. start playing with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was a very, very cool idea. And uh, as far as like uh, you know, marketing stuff is genius. Yeah, absolutely genius. Uh, yeah. So uh, do you want to keep going? Because there there uh, there are a couple of other games that we can just talk about here very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so Bioshock Infinite, uh, the the uh, critically acclaimed sequel to the original Bioshock. Uh, I'm not I'm not glossing over Bioshock Two. Bioshock Two was done by a different studio. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bioshock Infinite was was really the uh, the next and at the moment last <laughs> in I think so, yeah. instance uh, in into the or entry into the Bioshock universe. And, yeah, uh, it was it was very it was very cool. Uh, it sort uh, it it introduced the most useful AI companion of all time. <laughs> uh, and I wish I was joking, but Elizabeth is like one of the most clever right. and resourceful. Uh, it is it is Elizabeth, right? I think. Yeah, so. Elizabeth. She just can't die. She can't get hurt. You don't have to escort her in any way. Yeah, she can take care of herself. She can take care of herself. So it just helps. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also uh, Pokemon X Y. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Dota two came out that year. Officially released that year. Right. Yeah. We talked about like there being a championship in 2011, but but they were all just going from their betas. Right? Yeah. Just like how you know Gmail was in beta for the longest time. Yeah. For real. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, and then uh, Warframe was another one of those uh, sort of like MMO things. That old? Huh? Uh, yeah. I know, right? Uh, but it's it's really interesting because it uh, it has itself evolved into the oh, yeah. the new style of you know uh, it's a perpetual game that you can play instead of it being an MMO. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, a couple of indie games. Uh, Papers, please. Papers, please was a big breakout in terms of you know you were saying how like games could be different and be for everybody right indie games what i really loved about them is they're always exploring so it's mm -hmm. not always you know it's not always going to be the action games and the platformers there's around this period people really start exploring other other themes and papers please was really interesting is that it made paperwork interesting uh, it so, made paperwork empathetic right? empathetic yes so in case if you don't know papers please you're the story of a uh, border control guard on this effectively like eastern european cold war era like a country yeah 
uh, super authoritarian and your job was to either approve or deny people trying to get across the border mm. and so throughout the whole entire time you're checking whether or not you know their visas are uh are, are properly haven't expired their passports are genuine um later on like the government starts throwing more and more like requirements at them like they have to have certain paperwork yeah and then you can either detain or not and you hear stories about a man who's like trying to get his wife across but she doesn't have the right papers so like what do you do uh, things in there and the entire time you're trying to make ends meet too and keeping your family alive because you might not make enough money to for example you know keep the lights on or keep the heat on in which yeah. case your child might get sick right and so and then there's a guard who approaches you like hey if you detain these folks if you if every person you detain i'll kick you back like 10 bucks or something right and they're like oh it's like do, am i going to become corrupt like uh, it's all that kind of stuff it's really interesting interesting yeah, yeah every every single one of your decisions has uh a a long-lasting impact which is which is really interesting yeah uh that's that's uh, you know, another games as experience thing, right? Yeah. Uh, that that I really enjoy. Yep. Uh, so you had a couple that you put on this list. Yeah. So I have Rogue Legacy on there. Uh, Rogue Legacy is just more in the line of roguelites. So yep. they are just they're starting to really explode at this period. One that just a lot of people were playing. Um, I put Guacamelee up there. Just I am a big Metroidvania fan. Guacamelee is easily one of the most polished and well done like indie. Metrovanias that were coming out at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I literally played that in 100% of that game in a 12-hour, single 12-hour weekend sitting. Oh, man. It was crazy. I love it. Um, and Stanley Parable uh, is... Uh, yeah. Speaking of games experiences. Yeah. <laughs> Stanley Parable, one of the funniest games and really meta one that came out at the time. It's oh. the game that plays you. Yeah. yeah. Effect. Basically, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, really great game uh, where it's... All of like you get to make a bunch of choices, yeah. but the the yeah. there's an omniscient narrator that's right uh, not happy with some of the choices that you make. So when we discussed Bastion beforehand, where the yeah. narrator narrated your actions, yeah. now you narrate the you narrate the act the narrator you yeah you you action the narrator yeah action the narrator uh, you you Perfect. actively yeah you actively like. Just like make it matter, or like, you know, he tells you go through the left door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you go, you go through the right door, and he's like, no, wait, no, go back. <laughs> uh, and that's a fun little couple hour experience. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great, great little game. Uh, Andy, yes, you, I know, I know you would kill us Please. if we just like left, Please. left the left twenty thirteen. Left this game for dead. Yeah, um, you're the last of us. Oh yeah, I am. Oh gosh. So <laughs> let's let's explore probably either my favorite or second favorite game of the 2010s. Oh, sorry, of all time. Yeah. Um, Last of Us. It's, okay, so I talked briefly about like open world games being fun. This is not open world, this is completely linear. Um, but I think what drew me in the most and draws me into most games that I play are an experience that um, this could potentially happen. This could be the post-apocalyptic world that we live in. Obviously, zombies are a little bit extreme, um, but the fact that this game takes place in Denver, Colorado, which immediately brings you back to Stephen King. Um, yeah, the stand, like... Yeah, so, like, it's just... Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like, I'm fanboying over this game. And he has a lot to say here. about this one. Yeah, no, it's just so much, it's so much it's fun. So much. You get so connected to the characters. Um, Ellie and Joel, Joel just become, like, it's also it's, one of the most emotional opening sequences. Oh yeah, it's like, that's a real oh gut punch. Yeah, it's like I, I think what, I think what turned me onto this game so much was the first time I played it. We were living at the other house, and it was like, oh no, I, I guess I had played it beforehand, but I had always yeah, played bit, it yeah. in the dark, mm -hmm. um, just because I was like, I want to get fully immersed in this game. And 
you do get fully immersed. Like the emotions bring you in from the first scene. Um, suddenly it's like, you know, I think it was because it came out after my brother had his first daughter. And like suddenly, you know, dad and daughter and you get emotionally connected to that relationship. Like suddenly, you know, Ellie and her dad are a huge part of the story. Um, and not to spoil anything, but like things change really fast. Right. And yeah. like all of a sudden, there's just this apocalypse that, like zombie apocalypse that happens, and you're you're set up on this adventure to, um, to like save the world, and right. just the well, and the twist at the very end too. Yeah, right. that's the, right. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna twist. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait for Last of Us too. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just I think the theme of the game of of connecting you to the characters, making you feel. Right. empathetic for everything that they're going through right. every choice that you have to make every like do i shoot this guy or not or you know i think like there are options of shooting yeah. a person or stealthing by them just to like because they're trying to live you're trying to live it's just so good made it a little more visceral compared to other stealth games when you look at like metal gear solid where it's more for the ranking kind yeah. of deal right in this particular case there's a bit more of the empathy aspect of it yeah for sure um, I think the last thing I would add too is just the soundtrack, soundtrack like the menu music, <laughs> like with the looking out the window, I, the, with the dust flying through. Like playing this on PS3 was an experience. Playing it on PS4, just the graphics were a little bit better, and like I would love to go back and see it in 4K and everything like that. I mean, it's Naughty Dog, right? Yeah, it is. So, Naughty so Dog. just thinking, thinking about all the things they learned doing like the Drake's or the Uncharted series, yep. and put that into something with some emotional weight to it. Yeah, is. Some emotional weight, all the emotional weight. Yeah, for for real. Uh, but like the opposite emotional weight. Yeah, Candy Crush. <laughs> yeah, Candy Crush came out that year. Oh my uh, gosh! It is uh, to sort of took the mobile world by storm, right? Uh, and like just like not non gamers, right? Like it, yeah. it was one of the biggest things to like breach that gap. Right? Yeah, bridge that gap. Sorry. I was gonna say like when when a game, uh, like shows up in popular culture, like on TV. Even if it's being, um, oh gosh, what's the word? Parodied, like whatever, whatever uh, Captain Holt and Gina are playing in in Nine Nine. Yeah, they're playing. It's it's Candy Crush. But it's, it's Candy. It's like you know, it's bridging the gap between gamers and like this is real world where right. people are at work playing these phone games because yeah. it's become a thing. Past the time, the, the, the people say like everybody's a gamer. Yeah, everybody. Right? Everybody is like it's not just us for like the hardcore stuff where we play the things that are released by these big studios. You know, when you start thinking about just mobile games, you know, your Temple Runs, your Candy Crushes, right. your Plants vs <laughs> Zombies, and your uh, what Angry is it? Birds, Angry Birds, Angry Birds, Flappy Birds, and yeah. Flappy Birds. Yep. Uh, all the all that good stuff. Your Jetpack Joyride, which is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, where you're you have a jetpack that is actually just a Gatling gun. Oh man, and, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, just like this insane jazz soundtrack that goes yeah. uh, as as you play, and there's yeah, it's 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 really interesting that that that's sort of like the the biggest breakout year for that, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, so Lou, what happened in the world of esports? Yeah, the League of Legends uh, Championship Series uh, is established. So this is the first major league system where the developer funding and actively uh, investing in their esports organization. So they are now officially becoming like a sport. They have a league now where players are given a salary, mm -hmm. where they have some kind of form of financial stability, where they're not playing just for tournament winnings, where there is a season of stuff, 
or regularly scheduled games. Like I remember at this period, like every weekend, you know, you got the European Championship Series on like Thursdays and Fridays, and then Saturday and Sunday the North America plays, and you have established teams, established personalities who are some kind of consistency when it comes to roster, and just being able to see that like it was a big step. We think about like where we are today, like that just really started it when it comes to legitimizing esports. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that sort of takes us to uh, 2014. Uh, which we're going to move through these quicker and quicker and quicker, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, Hearthstone, big deal. Yeah, that moved from beta to public in 2014, right? Yeah. Uh, we played a lot of that when, we it, did. when it came out. So it was the, the World of Warcraft card game, basically. And yeah, Heroes of World of Warcraft, or Heroes of Warcraft, or whatever, whatever was the tagline originally. Yeah, yeah. What it was called? Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. And uh, So it's a, it was a really interesting... Uh, flashy uh, card game that you could play mobile. Yep. Right? And uh, Did it immediately release mobile? The I think when it officially released it, it, had, yes, it, yeah. had, it came out like on iPad first and then iPhone okay. later or something like that. Yeah. And so it was it was uh, it was a big deal. It still is. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a, a, a non-zero amount of uh, tournaments going on all the time and a lot of money in it. Grand and, Champions, whatever. Yeah, and uh, you know, political statements being made, and that's another, <laughs> another conversation. Uh, uh, so, speaking of like sort of like esportsy stuff, Smite was another MOBA yeah. that came out and that uh, was made Local, uh, locally. Team. Yeah, yep, out of uh, out of Alpharetta, Georgia, I think. I'm pretty uh, sure I saw a developer at Chick Fil A during this yeah. a, a, a couple of years back. Oh yeah, yeah. That was the thing. Yeah, for sure, and like they they yeah. like. They they frequented Battle and Brew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at their old location. I was gonna say because they they always had it streaming on the TVs. So it was like Smite yeah. or League. Yeah, I feel like. And um, so that was that was a thing. I don't I haven't checked into like the scene yep. recently. Yeah. I don't know if it's still still really going on. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which I bought and played a couple times. And Clay played <laughs> all of Multiple the hours. Times. Clay's put like seven hundred hours into this game. Oh man. Uh, Clay, you uh, has I not been on. Yet. Uh, yeah. Now that I realize that he hasn't been on Kesra Nerds, but if you ever check us out at CNC Power Hour. Uh, yeah, 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 Clay from the CNC Power Hour has uh, put in a lot of a, a lot of work into Dragon Age because it's like a, it's a really interesting, uh, like it, it's kind of chill, but it's uh, an action fantasy game and mm -hmm. it's another Bioware game, mm -hmm. so more Mass Effect, uh, and uh, or it's it's. In the line of Mass Effect, where it's about a bunch of dialogue stuff, and uh, your your actions have serious consequences, uh, almost irreversible consequences over the course of the game, and yeah. uh, it, it's it's very cool. Uh, in into the indie game scene, real yeah. quick, we have uh, Shovel Knight. First big one is Shovel Knight. So yeah. this is when Shovel Knight was first released. Uh, Shovel Knight is was and probably still is one of the most successful Kickstarter games of all time. For sure, Yacht Club games. Uh, seriously have done a great job keeping up with their commitments that they laid out in terms of their stretch goals because they got massively funded. Shovel Knight, if you don't know, is sort of like an 8-bit style old school platformer. Feels in the style like old school Castlevania-ish kind of deal. It is a fantastic game with wonderful amounts of charm. Um, really well polished. And even up till now, like recently, they just released like the last DLC. So they've been working on this for like six years now constantly being supported, developing a massive community. They've done really well in terms of supporting uh, cross-platform stuff. Mm -hmm. When they got ported to other consoles, they had guest characters. Um, so they had like Kratos was one of the guest characters in there, one of the mm -hmm. Battletoads. Uh, 
and then they're even they even have a trophy in Smash Brothers Ultimate. Like yep. these guys are big. They're they're they are one of the breakout successes of the indie scene. So like building sure. upon the old previous stuff that we have from like you know the Braids and the Bastions and you know from yeah. the Cave Story, right? But Shovel Knight is probably the most well known indie character that has really made popular success because of how well. Yacht Club Games has supported and kept their promises and built up the community goodwill. Mm. Um, a couple of other ones to talk about Goat Simulator. So in terms of like great things that took people by storm, the silliness that is Goat Simulator. Yeah. Right. I still can't get over it. Like I heard about it recently. Just like it was it on sale or something that was like yeah, it was a so. free weekend. And there's so and many different it. versions of it. Yeah, they just kept on going on. Like the, the whole idea was like if it's a bug and as long as it doesn't break the game, we'll keep it in there and try <laughs> to do silly stuff. Like you thought Goose Game was yeah, well, we haven't talked about yeah. Hawk yet. Yeah, uh-huh. like this is the original. You're 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 a jerk. Go- you're a jerk goat. Yeah, great. Yeah, uh, Transistor, the next release from the people who made Bastion from Supergiant. Yep. Um, when Andy was talking about uh, The Last of Us, if you want something interesting like that, I recommend This War of Mine. Okay. Also highly talked about. It is effectively you again trying to do like a political message and getting you to think in the indie game space. Mm-hmm. You are a survivor. Probably very relevant now. You are a survivor in a war torn country. Mm. And you are basically there trying to survive. You need to go out there and hunt in the uh, like in, on the battlefield for like in the ruins of stuff for like food, for medicine, and all that other stuff. And you can at certain times you like people or like other scavengers are there too, and whether or not you kill them or not, or you break into a place, and obviously you're like a defensive old, dispenseless old lady, but she has a lot of stuff in there. Like what do you do, mm. and things like that. So very interesting if you want to check that out. Relevant, especially if you look at you know political climate today and other places in the Middle East and stuff, where you know it's still relevant. And war is a war never changes. Yeah. Um, real quick thing, just because I want to shout out, just because of how like neat it was, is a game called Never Alone. Um, it is a simple little platformer game set in like the you know Alaska wilderness. They had a local, I think it's a Kanupiak. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm going to butcher it, but they actually partnered with that local tribe mm-hmm. to tell a story of their traditional folklore. So that game is oh, heavily cool. steeped awesome. in their folklore. Like everything about it is tied to their traditional tales and their traditional culture, the artwork, the music, the story that it goes through, and they even have like individual videos in their extra cred- in their extra content stuff, which is literally just like almost like a mini documentary oh, talking wow. about it. So like I just wanted to shout that out in terms of when I was looking through like games that were released and like highly acclaimed games, like that was really cool. The space where indies can play, where they really like honor and respect other perspectives and histories and cultures the way they came from and yeah, the yeah. ability for gaming to give people that context as yeah. well that's cool yep uh, uh octodad in the same line as goat simulator in terms of just silly fun games <laughs> where was uh oh i forgot to ask where was like surgeon simulator in all of this surgeon simulator oh you mean operation no no <laughs> it, 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 it's kicking off in that so octodad is in that same vein with with surgeon simulator in the game where like where you're comedically hard to control yeah. So the whole thing is that like you're trying to control this hand, but it's just like you have barely in control of individual fingers, and it barely controls what you do, and you are just the worst possible doctor ever. Oh, great! And your whole point is to just try to do this operation, and like they'll survive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so operation. Uh, yeah, you know. it is. It is so good, <laughs> um, but it, it is in that line of stuff. Is just like stuff that's eminently watchable. Like literally, I was like, oh yeah, I was playing that game, and I was like on a Skype call with my friends. Uh, and my parents were in the middle and watched me play Surgeon Simulator, and they were like egging me on the entire. My friends like here over the thing, <laughs> because we were just having a casual conversation, and I was playing. And my parents, like, oh no, get that card! No, you missed, you missed! Oh no, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, and it was like oh, it was one of the few times my parents got really into watching me playing a video That's game. Funny, yeah, I have great memories Perfect. of that. That's fair. Um, I have Ollie Ollie because I know apparently that was a big streaming game. 
I don't have too much context on it, but I know it gets brought up in conversations. Yeah. Uh, but the big one is Five Nights at Freddy's was Markiplier. released in 2014. Yeah. Markiplier, game, yep. game theorists, yeah. built them themselves on the Five Nights, Five Nights at Freddy's franchise. So this is continuing with the fact that horror games are eminently streamable and watchable for creating videos. Yeah. And this is like the biggest thing for kids at the time, too, because like that had, uh, my, my nephew, right, mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's fairly young, or was, was very young at the time. He may have been like six. Yeah. And like he, just absolutely loved watching people play Five Nights at Freddy's. Did he ever play himself? Or? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, like, he didn't really have a tablet tablet a little bit later. But, okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it 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 was it was huge. It was another one of those horror things where you could watch people react to them. And, yeah. Uh, they, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, brief uh, uh pour one out for the Ouya, uh, real quick, which. Thank you for 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 mentioning it, but Ooh, yeah. Towerfall Ascension was a was a kind of the system seller for it, right? Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was supposed to be like this console killer, basically, right? Yeah, the third party. They tried to bring another console in there. It's a little yeah. bit more like mobile space kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. You could play your mobile games on the big screen. It was just like, why? Oh, that's cool. Uh, um, <laughs> real quick. So this is the year that there were multiple MMOs that's that came out and uh, didn't really go too far anywhere nope. uh so uh i guess we'll start off with wildstar because rip yeah that's uh, rip. <laughs> uh that's the one that's the only one of the on this list that is dead yeah uh, okay. legit dead uh elder scrolls online came out that year yep uh which i i actually haven't played but did sort of did a lot of stuff and... there was a free weekend on steam a few weeks ago or right. a few months ago yeah and i tried and i didn't you say it was, it was like 60 gig download and yeah. like by the time oh. you finished, like it was probably the it weekend was, was over? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, that was harsh. Yeah. That was rough. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, which they rebooted and is still going strong. Yeah, that, right. that's an interesting story if you ever, if you ever want to look into that. Where yeah. It did so poorly when it first released mm. that they were just like, nope, we're going to take it down and redo this game. Yeah. yeah. And now there's like multiple uh, expansions and stuff like that. And the music, I like, I've listened to the music. The music for Final Fantasy fourteen is well, fantastic. really good. Okay. I don't listen to I mean, I know Final music. Fantasy music. Final, <laughs> Final Fantasy music is good. Yeah. But I, don't, I haven't had a chance to check out the fourteen soundtrack in particular. Please. You have to. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Coming uh, for me, and uh, <laughs> that was that was the year the Destiny launched. Oh yep. yeah, uh, Destiny was uh, Bungie's first non-Halo game. Mm-hmm. After uh, they split off, right? Yeah, after they split off. At the time, they were self-publishing, so they were like they were a small indie company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I guess yeah. they they are now now that they're not owned by uh, yeah. Activision Blizzard. But uh, that's a that's a running joke in the in the Destiny community yeah. that uh, they're just a small indie company. You have to give them time to fix these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're. Uh, it was a, uh, it was really interesting. So it was, um, uh, it didn't really have like quests in the sense of other MMOs. It had like story-based missions and then, uh, you know, raids and dungeons that you could do with your friends. But uh, it it was pretty successful at the yeah. time. Yeah. And don't have it much in here, but Guild Wars Two, I forgot we've put in there. So. Oh yeah. Right. Guild Wars Two, we didn't put in, uh, which is still going on. We also didn't put in the Secret World. Uh, Rip. Uh, a lot of these Chinese developed like yeah. these MMOs. We got to we got to mention just briefly. We don't have as much context when it comes to like these Korean and Chinese MMOs. Like Nexon, the stuff they published just so much. Yeah, and you know if we ever want to do Vindictus, a... that was oh my on. goodness, I played Vindictus. Holy, yes, I forgot all about that. <laughs> oh, my sorry, I didn't mean to trigger you. Yeah, no, yeah. I played that. Like that, that was like I think that was 2011 though. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. early. But on. I re- yeah. I remember. Yeah, that was that was great. But right. yeah, stuff like that, Blade and Soul, yep. Black Desert. Yep. Yeah, it's just 
we don't have as much context around those. The only other thing I wanted to point out about Destiny real quick was uh, that was kind of a, an interesting concept of turning this like open world, but also you have like, it's, it's, it's less open world than most games. Right, um, yeah. But it's instanced and all that jazz. Yeah, but... it's instanced open world, which is like fascinating to me because I don't know. It, it's good. It, it's a good mix of like MMO, single player, because you can do yeah. most most things in the game. Through single player or through matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I just remember I really enjoyed it because it was just MMO Halo, right? Yeah. It was Halo yeah. gunplay and you yeah. just get to go ahead in open world and just, yeah, kill stuff in an MMO. It's like, all right, this is pretty good. Yeah, and you're going to be a space which is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, folks. Us from a different point in the timeline. We joked about this in the beginning, but we got way more into this than we expected to. So we split this up into multiple parts. But you know who else is from a different point in the timeline? Taylor Poole. Taylor Poole did all of our music uh, in the sense that there's only one track. And you can find him at uh, taylorpoolmusic.com. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R-P-O-O-L-E music.com. And who are we, Lou? You can find us at twitch.tv slash cncpowerhour. That's the letters, cncpowerhour. You can also check out our website at cuzwernerds.com. That's C-U-Z-W-E-R-E-N-E-R-D-S.com. We have all of our previous episodes on there and a couple of uh, cool little bios on all of the hosts. So definitely go check it out. Thanks for listening to the first half of this episode of Cuz We're Nerds. Stay up to date with all the nerdy news and podcast drops by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also leave us comments and feedback at cuzwernerds at gmail.com. That's C-U-Z-W-E-R-E-N-E-R-D-S at gmail.com. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We'll see you in part two, which should already be in your feed. And as always, stay nerdy. nerdy.